Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hi, I'm Stefan Kazakis and welcome to this week's episode of our Business Benchmark Group podcast series. Today we're talking about, I guess, something in a changing world. It's not exactly recent, but it seems to be escalated and continuously escalated as, as we move more and more into the uh, the digital and uh, progressive age that we're in. It's, it's about keeping an eye on employees. And the conversation or the thought process or the challenge, and sometimes referred to as the brain damage, that is called is it about trust or is it about I guess um, um, security is it about I guess having having a backup to ensure that you know and everyone else knows what exactly is going on by whom by when and ultimately you have a reference point in this very highly litigious environment that we're in 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 fairness though um, we are small businesses and small business owners and small business teams that do our best on a daily basis sometimes you know the majority of our time in our working life and our and our and our living life is spent being in our business or in our jobs or in our place of um, um, employment. So when you think about that and think about how do we communicate, how do we ultimately create a culture of transparency and honesty and what have you, and then you sort of double up the fact that there's cameras and technology that allows us to, I guess, for some would consider spying, others would consider, I guess, being aware and, and progressively um, conscious of security and keeping your, your place of business safe. There is a constant battle between, okay, Okay, transparency and honesty, and there's a constant battle of security and referencing so that we don't have any unnecessary surprises. I guess in the next, um, in this podcast series, we um, in this podcast episode, sorry, you get to understand a little bit of the thinking and a little bit of the importance and a very much big part of the importance of ensuring that you're constantly having conversations with your team. And therefore, the whole security thing or the whole camera thing is a byproduct of being in a business that's progressive and, and more security-based than, I guess, honesty and trust-based. I look forward to your feedback on this um, on this episode as it's, uh, it can be perceived, depending on where your headspace is, a little controversial. Welcome to Nightlife, the first hour. I wonder if you've ever been caught doing something at work that you really shouldn't be doing. Ever get a creepy feeling that the big boss might be watching over your very move? Or, or even your every move? <laughs> it could be the case. Face it, we've all heard stories of employees using or, and abusing basic company perks and racking up bills until they're caught in the act. But how can employers ensure that their staff are on their best behaviour? And just how far should bosses go when it comes to monitoring the performance of employees? And what is a step too far? We'll, uh, we're going to build this discussion tonight off the back of uh, Matthew Dickerson, founder of Small Business Rules and a regular contributor on The Nightlife. And uh, he's here in the studio with us uh, this evening. Matthew, good evening. Yeah, good evening, Philip. And, and it's great to be here my first time with you on The Nightlife. Oh, well, actually, so it's a first for both of us, yeah. isn't it? Here, here we are together. And Stefan Kazakis, too, uh, joins us uh, as well this evening. Stefan, uh, good evening. You're from the Business Benchmark Group. Stefan, good evening to you. 
Good evening, Philip, and uh, good evening, Matthew. Good to be here. Yeah, well, thanks uh, to both of you gentlemen for for joining us today. What's an acceptable degree of surveillance, Matthew? <laughs> well, it's a fine line, Philip, and this is, I, I suppose, the whole discussion here. An acceptable level of surveillance for some people is different depending whether you're the boss or the employee, but it's really a trust relationship. A boss and an employee have that trust relationship, and if you start to watch every single move that an employee makes, that breaks down that trust. But at the same time, if you give complete carte blanche to your employees, sometimes they start to abuse that. So it's going to be an interesting discussion tonight, I think, when we're going to talk about those boundaries and, and when we go too far with those boundaries. Yeah, yeah I mean, because in the old days, and in fact, I imagine today, if you're running a big factory with lots of people, you know, people clock on and off, don't they? Yeah, and yeah. You know, I've certainly worked in a factory uh, in, in my life and you had a card, you punched the card, put it in a rack. When you left, you punched it again and put it in the rack and you got paid off the ba- oh, you got paid off that card. And you never had mates that punched your card for you, did they, Philip? Did <laughs> that no, ever happen? Never had mates like that? No, of course not, Matthew. <laughs> and that's well, actually, really... that was a big no-no. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. that was a big no-no. But that is a really basic form of employee monitoring. Yeah. You didn't just trust your employees to turn up and work 38 hours a week. You had a, a, part, a card system which you punched through to say when you turned up and when you went home. So at its most basic, that is employee surveillance or employee monitoring. Obviously, we're much more sophisticated in the way we do it now. Hmm. Well, that's true. I mean, Stefan, I mean, there's all sorts of ways now, uh, including cameras, isn't there? Well, de- definitely. And, and again, the one thing we can't, uh, I guess, avoid in the, in the conversation is we are talking about uh, work and business and, and ultimately adults being adults. And sometimes there is that, uh, there is that line that gets crossed where, uh, I guess, it's almost parent-to-child uh, or child-to-parent uh, approach to keep things in sync. But the world is changing, that's for sure, Philip. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you raised this initially, Matthew, this issue of trust. I mean, to me, that's where it, that's what it's all about. You're not likely to get much productivity out of your employees if they feel you don't trust them and you, you sure as hell don't trust, <laughs> don't trust them back. No. I, I mean, if, you, if you've got that, that atmosphere of hostility and distrust set up from the beginning, mm. then people are just going to do as little as they can, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to try and work out a way around things. And humans are very good at working out ways to get around it. So if you do have cameras set up, for example, they'll work out the blind spots in your employee in your employment scenario to try and work out ways they can get around that. But there was an interesting test case a few years ago, Philip, in 2013, and it wasn't in Australia, it was in New York, mm. where there was a, a high-level manager of a government department in New York who was suspected by his employers or his bosses of actually not always being honest with the conferences he was attending or the timesheets that he was filling in. So they secretly put a monitoring device on his vehicle and they monitored where his vehicle went. And it turned out that he was spending more time at his secretary's house than at conferences and she wasn't taking work home. So it, it turned out that he was abusing the, the client, the, the, the work time that he was meant to be doing. Yeah. And so they, they fired him on that. And he took it to court because he said, you're monitoring me illegally. And in the end, the department won that particular case because the result from the court was that their suspicions were reasonable and they took reasonable steps. In other words, they didn't go and monitor him 24 hours a day, but they did put a tracking device on his car secretly yeah. and, and then monitor him and then worked out where I he mean, was going. There'll be truckies listening tonight who will say, well, hang on, that's, that's my daily life. Because, yeah. I, I, I mean, most heavy transport companies these days have tracking devices on the, on the vehicles, don't they? And they can, they, they can know where their trucks are. That's right. And they can record a whole range of information, speed, G-forces, cornering forces, mm. to see if those trucks are being driven sensibly 
Now, a lot of that is about employee safety and WHS, where you're trying to monitor the employee safety, but a lot of it is as well, just keeping on how their trucks are being used and where they're going with those trucks. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, I get that. And I think, you know, that may even be helpful for for the for the truckie too. Yeah. To give them some protection in a sense. I don't know, Stefan, but... You know there are lines everywhere in this debate, aren't there? You know, and uh, you know what about what about an, an employee who says um, you can't use your computer to do anything other than work, for example, and and I'll and I'll know if you do because you know I'll I'll, I'll keep a record of your internet use. Again, it comes down to I guess this this changing world that we're in, uh, where we're, we're digital and uh, the access and ability for uh, everyone. In- um, most importantly, including employees having access almost twenty four seven, whether it's the, uh, the the workplace computer or laptop or even their personal uh, you know devices, and some of them even carry two phones these days. I guess you know there's there's swings and roundabouts in the conversation, and and, and as I mentioned earlier, the world is changing, and therefore. The best, the best remedy, in my in my opinion, have, you know, in working with many many businesses, not only in Australia but around the world, is you've got to just increase the level of communication. You've got to increase the level of transparency and uh, and get to understand. I guess you know at what point of the day will you be working on um, some personal stuff? And and by the way, it's okay if you do, as long as you're being transparent about it. And I just feel, and what we're seeing more and more, particularly in the last twelve months, the more our business. Owners and business leaders are having that conversation with their teams, with their resources. And and as we're getting more and more involved in outsourced, um, I guess, resources being the uh, the flavour of how businesses are growing, we, mm. we just, we're getting to see the, the higher level of communication, the higher level of transparency, the higher level of open and honest communication, the better it is for the, uh, the business owner, leader, managers to be focusing on growing the business in cohesion, understanding that this is just the swings and roundabouts of the way the world is today. one three hundred eight hundred triple two. 800 How do you feel about it? one three hundred eight hundred triple two, 800 or text us four six seven nine double two seven zero two. Dan says, my boss and customer know exactly where I am as a driver with GPS. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's fair enough. Um, one three hundred eight hundred triple two. There's some spots free uh, if you'd like to grab one. Yeah, I don't know, because I say, you know, that line's everywhere. Uh, you know, phone use is another, isn't it? Uh, it, inevitably, you make personal phone calls when you're at work. Yeah, and I remember you years kind of ago. Have to, you kind of have to, don't you? Well, almost. And I remember years ago, Philip, walking into a, a business we were doing some work for, and stuck on each phone, on each handset, was a clear label that said, all personal phone calls to be paid for, 20 cents at the end of the day. Yeah. And I thought, what a negative workplace this is that I'm working, walking into, yeah. because that just seemed such a, a negative message to send that 20 cents for an employee to be able to make a phone call to his partner or to, to work out something with one of his kids and have to fork over that 20 cents at the end of the day, it just seemed too draconian to me. Yeah. So you've got to strike that balance. And uh, and I think Stefan's hit the nail on the head. It is about communication. There is the Workplace Surveillance Act that governs the, the laws across most states, and I don't want to sit here and give legal advice, but the most important thing is if your employees know what's happening in the workplace around surveillance, whether it be cameras, whether it be monitoring internet usage or mobile phone usage, whatever it is, as long as they're aware of it and that express knowledge is there, then mm. you're usually in the clear. But it, it protects both parties then. So if something happens in the workplace, the employee can say, well, hold on, that's not how it went down. 
go back and look at the cameras and show you know what really went, it happened in the situation. Mm. All right, Matthew Dickerson's with us, founder of Small Business Rules, uh, regular uh, contributor here on on Nightlife, and uh, Stefan. Kazakis, too, from the Business Benchmark Group. You raise a good point there, Matthew, because actually under the law, uh, I mean, you can't spy on people anyway. It's against no, it, it, well, no it's, it's against the law. You can't, you can't install, uh, for example, a hidden microphone yeah. at work yep. and run it, uh, and you can't install a hidden camera at work either. That's right. And run it to uh, a computer, which you know only you and your security staff see. Without the consent of those people involved, I mean, it's an, it's, it's an offence. Yeah, that's exactly against right. the law, and, and it does vary from state to state. But in general, what in you're general, saying that's true, is spot it? on. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got to have that knowledge, that general knowledge that something is being recorded, and and that that knowledge doesn't have to be written down in a contract and signed. If it's obvious, you've got cameras around the workplace, and everyone knows in the workplace that these are being recorded. That sort of implied permission is there as well. Um, but is yeah, that, generally, is you that need... the case, or do you have to get express permission? No, no, implied consent um, is, is acceptable. And again, I, I hesitate here, Philip. I don't want to give legal <laughs> advice yeah. uh, on, on the radio, but yeah, generally, as long as people are informed, if you start putting in secret cameras that no one knows about, that's, that's when you're breaching that's against the law. The law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there are stiff penalties for it too. Sorry, uh, Stefan. But, but I guess from that perspective, if we're uh, if we're trying to grow an organisation or a business where uh, that's where we're spending most of our time, then there's an inherent uh, cultural issue in the business. And uh, that's never going to be a business that goes anywhere fast. And, and again, if we turn our attention and, uh, and focus and energies as leaders and managers into engagement and, uh, and alignment, uh, there's such a better chance, regardless of whether you're, you've got 10 people on the team, four people on the team, uh, or, or 500 for that matter. I mean, you, you, yeah. know, you, break, you break clusters down. You, you, you work on numbers of people in, in a cluster that each one of them is supportive of each other and therefore focused on the bigger game, and that's becoming a benchmark business in the industry that you're choosing to uh, to make a difference in for the products and services that you sell. And that's where the focus needs to be. And and as much as surveillance and uh, and trust is critical, as is the ability to, to to create a workplace where people are promotable or they're deselected. You know, if you keep on putting enough heat on the uh, on the accountability and the responsibilities of what people are there to contribute to. Um, it won't be too long before dead wood is uh, is leaving the door. Mm. Marcus uh, is uh, with us. You've worked on both sides of the fence, Marcus. Yeah, yeah look, I uh, used to be a, a subcontractor carpenter, and now I run my own business. So, look, I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> I've been on both sides of the fence there. And, yeah. and exactly what you're saying tonight, man, is it's a, it's a matter of working with the guys. Because just an example today, like, you know, it's the old Smoko, and, uh, you know, I've got half a dozen guys working for me, and they've only worked out, uh, sat down for an extra Smoko, an extra five or ten minutes, you know. But you times that by six guys, yeah. all of a sudden you're dropping an hour yeah. of production, you know. So you think, oh, well, and the, the way to do this is and say, come on, guys, look, do you think we need a bit longer for Smoko? And they'll go, oh, no, no, we don't, you know. And, you know, and they get back into it. So, you know, you're right, you try to foster that, that ability for them to be, you know, checking themselves. I'm sure there's going to be guys that are just go. There's no way they're going to be always the last person up. You know? <laughs> How do you deal with that, Marcus? I mean, do you, do you sit there and flog guys? I mean, do you say, okay, that's it, you know, whistle, uh, that's it, into smoko, into it? Or well, look, it is hard. You just come in. You just, I really just try to embarrass them. Into it. So, guys, you know, if it was, look, what I'll do, and I never do it, but I just say, look, hypothetically, guys, what if that hour I took out of your pay? Yeah. For, the, for the day, and I'll take it out of uh, Bill's pay tomorrow, and Fred's 
pay the following day. And they'll go, oh, well, yeah, you know, we're all dropping an hour every day. Well, that's what it's like with me. So, look, guys, just try to try to do the right thing and you know, try and you know understand that where where I'm coming from. And look, and I've been there myself, you know, as a, as a young apprentice. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. You know, the boss was talking and you would coach him into telling another story. You know what I mean? You'd be down for another five minutes. You know? so, Sometimes you get a bit of self-policing too, Marcus. Sometimes if you do get someone who's always the last one back, he might literally be a smoker at Smoko, or you'll get some of the guys that are a bit keener to get some work done mm. to actually do the policing themselves, not through your instruction, but just by the, the guys that are good workers trying to bring those guys back in and start getting them back into work. Yeah. The Smoko is an interesting one, isn't it, Marcus? Because I don't know, in, your, in your industry, in the building business, I mean, does, yeah. it, ha- does it have a set t- time? Oh, look, we do run with set times. and Like you we, say, it's, what, eight minutes and that's it? Well, look, there, there is a regulation. I think it is some states it might be 10 to 15 minutes for smoker. Mm-hmm. Now, look, it's just totally impractical when you're, you're chipping and Tom, they put on the breville, put the toasted sanger on yeah. and, uh, and have a gin wagon. And, and, look, I won't even start on the phones because the phones are the next level with <laughs> guys getting texts or returning Snapchats or doing whatever. <laughs> you know, it's... it's you know, the social media platforms these young guys are on, they're just all over it. So, same thing again. I, you know, I've heard guys say that, you know, that what we do, guys, is we're going to put the smoker, uh, the phones down, yeah. and they come out at smoker, you know, and people go, oh, you know, oh, I need it for, you know, my wife needs to ring me, or someone's sick in the family, and <laughs> all that sort of thing. You go, oh, okay, well, maybe. But, um, you know, I said, look, if there's any, ever any hassle, you know, someone can ring me. You know what I mean? As yeah, opposed yeah. to trying to ring you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, look, I so don't that, police that one that heavily, to be honest. So, yeah. Marcus, um, it, it's a battle you're not going to win when you're uh, when, when we're using you and I language. It's it's never going to be a battle you win. So the right. best thing you can do is just walk walk in their shoes for a minute and yeah. then ask well, them well, to walk has. in yours. No, <laughs> but get them to walk in yours for two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and encourage the conversation around, you know, we're not bringing a nine-to-five attitude into the business. No. The nine to five attitude doesn't work because not many businesses get far when there's a nine to five attitude. And ultimately, what you're doing for the guys, and in fairness, you want to keep on doing for the next lot of guys, is you're creating job security. And in order to create job security, everyone needs to step up and be better every other day. And if you bring that sort of conversation where they contribute, where you're not seen to be taking away their smoker or not seen to be challenging them on their social media, you know, nuisance time, because that ain't going to change in a hurry. I can tell you it's going to be a war you won't win. But what no, you're, you can, right. you're right. But what you can win is drop the you and I conversation and start mm. using the we conversation. Mm, okay. I'll good, take that one on board. Thanks very much. Good stuff, Marcus. Uh, yeah, no, nice to get your perspective too uh, from someone who has been on both sides of the fence. You know, the smoker is one thing, uh, guys, isn't it? But it occurs to me that, you know, if you put a camera outside most office buildings, let's get off the building side for a second, and, you know, uh, for, for office workers, if you put a camera outside the building and calculated how much time is wasted on people going to get coffee. <laughs> how about that one, Stefan? <laughs> I'm just going out for coffee. Anybody want one? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've got, now I've got six coffees. Yep. I've got to collect all the money. I've got to go out. I've got to get the coffees, wait in the queue, come back again. How much time do you reckon that takes? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think coffees replace smoking. Just it used to be 10 years ago, all those people would go out and have a smoke. Now they all go out and get a coffee and probably waste just as much time. Mm, exactly yeah. right.
And I guess this is where the uh, yeah we, we just need to change the conversation. If anyone out there who's running a business is having a challenge with, I guess you know trying to get the best utilization or the best productivity for their teams or their their employees, I guess change a conversation and get them engaged in a conversation that says, okay, we got eight hours to do what we're here to do. We know we're going to lose an hour between smokers, coffees, and Facebook time. So why don't we figure out a way collectively how we do what we need to do in eight hours in seven. Hmm. Yeah, okay. All right. Matthew uh, Dixon, founder of the Small Business Net R- Rules, and uh, Stefan Kazakis from the Business Benchmark Group are with us. We're talking about office workplace surveillance and how much you get sp- spied on at work and how much is acceptable and what makes the workplace go better anyway. Uh, Dan says it works both ways. If you've got nothing to hide, there's nothing to worry about. In fact, mm. in transport, it highlights where the problems are. So there's no buck passing and any issue can be accurately addressed. Kate uh, has texted me saying, the last three senior positions I held over 15 years, I observed men watching pornography on an almost daily basis. In one private company, the computer emails were so full of explicit sexual material you could hardly find the actual work. <laughs> In the last public sector position I held, a colleague was sacked for accessing porn, was later reinstated. How can that be acceptable? In the end, I retired early, just couldn't face returning to that every day. Well, I mean, Kate's got a point here. I mean, that's... I mean, that's flat out unacceptable, isn't it, in, yeah. in any workplace? I mean, that's uh, if you want to watch porn, watch it at home. <laughs> that's right. And I think you'd have a, a very weak leg to stand on saying yeah. that someone spied on me while I was sitting at work watching pornography. I yeah. mean, I'm not sure that I'd want to stand in a courtroom and say, I defend my right to watch pornography at work. Um, no, so, no, we'll go home and defend it either, saying, yeah, like, you know, right. I'm in trouble. That's you know, right. and you wouldn't believe what happened today. I was yeah. just sitting there anyway. Uh, Robert, <laughs> good, uh, good evening, Robert. Hey, how are you going? Very well. Yeah, no, I just want to, um, you're talking about um, technology nowadays and I've been in the transport industry and mining industry and everything like that and um, the bosses, um, they've got G- GPS and all that sort of stuff and mm. like I'm, I'm old school and everything and I've actually had my truck shut down. And, really? Yeah, yeah well, thing, um, uh, I don't know, it was something, this is going back a few years ago, and they started bringing it in, and um company I was working for uh, about three years ago did the same thing. I was going up a hill and going through the gears and all that, my truck was over-revving, so they shut my truck down because my truck was over-revving. Okay. Then he got on the sat phone and said, you need a truck? I said, yeah, no, my truck's over-revving and all that. And I said, I'm going up a hill. I said, I've got three trailers on, mate. I said, I've got 120 ton. And I said, you just shut, shut my truck down. I said, I'm up on a... 45-degree angle here at the moment, mate, eh? <laughs> and, um, so they, well, they had the ability to shut it down remotely, did they? Yeah, mate, yeah. Well. It's the same with um, refrigeration too. The trailers and all that, they can... Um, okay. They've got a computer system in the office and they can regulate the um, temperature of the um, refrigeration and everything's just satellite. And same with the mining industry now. If you're... Um, like, when you go down to pit, you... No, you're steady, steady, but when you're coming up, your rev goes up a bit because you know, you've got about 50, 60 tonne on the back of it. Yeah. And they actually done that to me again. They, they shut the truck down because the truck, the big dumpy truck was over-revving. And I, yeah. I got on the radio and said a few explicit words and everything like that. And I said, you yeah, know, can you start my truck back up, please, you know? <laughs> so, Robert, is it shut down automatically? Are there certain parameters that are hit and that shuts it down or is someone physically watching what you're doing and then they shut it down. Physically what you're doing. Nowadays in the transport industry, the trucks have got cameras in it and everything like that. Um, once you jump off the seat and you go and you know, nature calls or something like that, you'll, you'll jump back in the truck, then uh, the phone would ring 
the satellite phone to ring you, answer it, and they can see you, but you can't see them. And they say, what did you jump your truck for? Well, you know, unless you want to mess in the truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't, and, Gee, and, okay. <laughs> and, you, and, like, you get back to the yard, like, I've known for the industry um, has changed so much over the years. Like, uh, I've, I've carted freight, I've carted everything and everything, and everything like that. And you pull up in the yard and you unhook your trailers and um, you, drive, you drive your truck through the shed and they've, they've got weigh bridges in the shed. Mm. And they're saying, oh, you're overweight here and that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, mate. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, oh, yeah. Yeah. well, it's a highly regulated industry and, and, you know, and there are reasons for that, though. These days, particularly rigs and, and B-doubles on, on, on roads, the, the price of, of having... You know that the bigger truck is, of course, greater levels of surveillance, and you can see, you can see to some degree why that's a safety issue as much as a workplace surveillance issue. Hello, Dale. Yeah, how, how, how are you going, guys? Oh, I'm well. Yeah, um, I'm just. Uh, I've been told a bit of a. I don't know, maybe being led the wrong way, but our industry is basically. Hello. I hope it wasn't the communication industry is in. No, no, exactly, Dale. So, uh, what happened there, mate? But we've uh, we've lost you. We got we got you back, Dale. No, we've uh, you've just uh, the lines dropped out. If you want to join the conversation, one three hundred eight hundred triple two, one three hundred eight hundred triple two oh four six seven nine double two seven oh two. We're talking workplace surveillance. Uh, Matthew Dickerson and Stefan Kazakis both with us tonight. Look, yeah, it, it's uh, it, you, I mean, you're right, Stefan, when you're talking about. If you set up an antagonistic relationship, you're not likely to get much productivity. At the same time, there are probably some basic checks and balances which modern uh, surveillance has helped us. I mean, I've got a couple of mates who are hoteliers uh, and also own restaurants. And, and they say, look, quite frankly, unless you have a camera on the till or some means of surveillance on the till because it's an open drawer of money, it's just it's just very, very difficult to, you know, to run a business. Uh, and to run a business without losses. And so, you know, if people want to work that, it's not about trust, it's just about trying to maintain some some basic business systems. Fair enough? Yeah, and in this day and age, those those sorts of businesses, that that's part of the uh that that's part of the uniform, I guess. Mm. It's no longer the uh minority, it's the expectation that there will be not only one, maybe three three cameras from different angles on the till and uh and other aspects of those sort of environments. So there are, there are certain industries where surveillance and at higher levels is um, is acceptable, and it's a way of uh, it's a way of doing business. It's a way of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I mean, we mentioned this before, but th- this issue of uh, of the phone is a big thing, though, isn't it? The the, mo- the mobile phone, the smartphone, because well, so many people's life is on this thing now, and that's right. you know, through text, through uh, through information, through you know, family connection, whatever. And most how, people, how much allowance do you give for it? Well, and most people are provided a work, or many people are provided a work mobile. And as has been mentioned before, people often have two mobiles, their work one and their private one. Yeah. But the reality is that that work mobile is probably monitored in some way or is able to be monitored. So I don't expect someone sitting there going through every text message that someone sends, but the day there's an issue with an employee, whether they're caught doing something wrong or it might be to help defend that employee, I imagine those employers can easily look through the information there. And because it is a work-provided device, I think there is some level of acceptance that you're not prying into their private lives because that's mm. been provided by the employer. Mm. Yep, well, and also, yeah, also, go on, on that, also on that, um, one of the fastest-growing uh, 
devices being used not only in in uh, in private use but also in business use is is the dashboard camera these days. So. Yep. People are putting um, dashboard cameras and they're putting um, re- rear window cameras on their cars because the hit and run incidences that are going on. And uh, also going back to the GPS and uh, and, and time stamping um, devices on vehicles. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're a trade-based business or a service-based business where you're turning up and doing one hour and 20 minutes worth of work and you're, you're needing to, uh, I guess, invoice for that uh, – for that time, when there's a dispute, it's such an easier uh, conversation to have when the stamping of the time arrived and the tamp- stamping of the time having uh, left the uh, the job is, is yeah. married up with the invoice. Yeah, well, That's I, I, saving a lot of businesses a lot of time and effort and, and an unwarranted conversation with customers. Yeah, and I can think, you know, that's right. I just returning to this point that often it's it's probably a uh, it's probably a useful and protective thing for workers too. G'day, Dale. Sorry, we got you back. Yeah, mate. Um, like I was saying, I'm in a, a highly uh, surveillance and a highly audio-taped um, environment. Right. But it, when it comes to being um, reprimanded, anything and everywhere I work um, is surveilled, but except for the offices of the bosses. So I was. Uh, somebody told me, or I heard on the um, on a news line somewhere that as long as it, one party is aware of. Uh, a conversation being recorded, then it's okay. Now, that party being yourself could have been the party um, that is aware of it being recorded. So, whereas it used to be, as I was aware of, two people had to be aware the conversation was being recorded. Was it, is that true? Because yeah, half the time now, I, I go in, if it starts off as a friendly conversation, and then it turns into a reprimand, and before you know it, you've gone out and gone, ha, what? And when you try to get it for the recall, you've got none, and you've pretty much got no, nothing to stand on except for he say. Yeah, well, so look, someone might like to to, to uh, set us right on this, but my understanding of the law is that you, if you want to if you want to record someone or surveil someone, uh, then you must get their permission. You must get their permission to do it. You can't do it. You can't do it secretly. Yeah, so you can't go in um, knowing you're going to be having a conversation and switch a recorder on your phone and then just let it tick around and then you have to say to that person, "I'm going to record. record the, I'm going to record this conversation." Right. Yeah. Is that is that uh, just WA or is it nationwide? No. Well, there's various laws. I mean, they're, but they're state-based laws, Dale. Uh, they're state-based laws, but but pretty much every state's got similar similar laws. Have a look up, and, and again, I'm reluctant to give legal advice here, yeah. but if you look at the Surveillance Devices Bill 2014 Act, which covers WA, you'll get some more information there. But mm. I agree exactly what Philip said. If you want to record that conversation, you're worried about where it might go, walk in with your phone, put it on the desk and say, I'd like to record this conversation, and hit the record button for everyone to see and have them say, yes, it's being recorded, and I think then you're pretty much in the clear. Mm. Yeah, with that, you, you get um, the, then you get the uncomfortable feelings like, well, the boss... Is I, I'm monitoring the boss, or I'm I'm um, you're kind of putting yourself out there to say, hey, I'm I'm kind of a troublemaker. I'm recording everything. <laughs> you well, know, you, know, you just want it there, as in a piece of security to back yourself if you do fall. Yeah. Well, it gets back up. to this trust issue, I guess we're talking about. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. All right, Especially Dale. When you're highly uh, uh, surveillanced and recorded yourself, so therefore you kind of like saying, well, the only place it isn't, I'm covering that section by. by Recording it myself. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Well, look, we'll move on, Dave, because I mean, other people do want to have a chat. Yes, Stefan. 
I was, just, I was going to say, if you ask for permission, generally you're going to get a yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 Mick is on the line. Hello, Mick. G'day. How are you doing? Well, thank you. All good. Um, I'd just like to say, you like, uh, yeah, we, we've been told that we are, our conversations are recorded in our cabs and everything. And, uh, like, uh, well, well, I don't have any conversations. I only, only talk to my cell phone, buddy. Uh, and, you know. <laughs> are, you a, are you a cabbie? Are you a cabbie, Mick? Oh, I'm a, no, I'm a cab. I'm a truck driver. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. a truck driver. But yeah, just I'm just driving on the road, and uh, yeah, things spring to my mind. And I talk to you. I talk to myself, and buddy. <laughs> well, so Mick, I if you're talking to yourself, you're talking to the most interesting bloke in the room, Mick. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I give myself a simple answer. Yeah, yeah. You don't have too many arguments, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but what, one thing that bugs me is on, on our job on a truck. I'm a truck driver, Joe. So is um, engineers and mechanics tell us how, how we should do our job, but They've never done our job. So they tell us how to do our job, but they've never done our job. So um, they've never had the experience and everything. So, so how, can, how do they have the right to tell us what to do? And, and then they tell the employee that we're doing things wrong and everything when they don't have the experience to, um, to uh, mm. judge us, you know? Yeah, mm. yeah. That's, yeah. That's the thing that gets me, yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair enough, Mick. Um, Matthew? Yeah, look, I think that'll be exactly as Stefan said before, a conversation. So what would be really nice, Mick, is if someone sat down with your data and said, right now, Mick, let's have a conversation about this. Let's analyse this and see how we can make your truck driving more efficient, safer, whatever it might be. And so you can have a chance to put your input into the conversation. I'd be disappointed with any employer that just sat there and waved their finger at you and said, you're doing something wrong here, Mick, or something wrong there. I'd rather them have that conversation where you analyse it together. Mm. What do you think about? I mean, there's not jobs, of course. You know, have all sorts of different facets. If you're working front of house in retail, or you know, uh, front of house anywhere, selling stuff or cafe worker workers, for example, then obviously the demands are different. What about if you, you know, like your job at work is to is to is to deal with thirty of these things a day, <laughs> uh, and, and or as many as you can. Yep. But thirty is acceptable. Yep. Do you, is it fair enough to say, look, if you finish an hour early, uh, then you can go home? Well, it depends, and, and that's where some productivity can be really achieved by making sure you put some good perimeters in place. In a retail environment, that's hard because you can't of close the door not. at 3 no, o'clock. No, no, of course not. No. But if you've got a certain amount of work to get through, if you put targets on people and they hit those targets and still have high-quality work, then that's when you can really increase productivity. We say, look, we've got to get these invoices out. You know, there's, there's, we've got 150 of these invoices to get out because we want the money in. We want to close the books off by the end of the month. Yeah. If um, once those 150 invoices are, are done, as far as I'm concerned, the day's done. I'm a big fan a fan of, of outcome focused rather than time focused. I, I, I don't yeah. like an, in, an environment where you turn up and look at the clock and you say it's now 8:59, time to start work, and then it's 5:29, ready to knock off. I want an environment where you're achieving outcomes. Yeah. And, and consistency of that. I mean, you know, on on that thirty for the day or the thirty for the uh, the period example, wouldn't it be great if we did thirty five days in a row, and and then have a team have a team reward for that? Now, just be careful, so, Stefan, because 
Philip's got to do four hours every day. So, you know, we don't, we don't want to put Philip in the wrong boat here well, and say well, well, he's done a great job for three and a half hours. I'll, I'll turn the radio off half an hour. We, we, do, we do a lot more than the four hours, I can yeah, tell you. Sorry, four hours on, on air. On air. Yeah. So, 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 again, you know, if, if you can pick your metrics and, um, you know, there's a real interesting conversation globally right now about how, how do you set goals? How do you set uh, productivity levels? How do you get people engaged and ultimately can create an environment where you're giving positive feedback and not so much coming out with a stick when they fail or with carrots when they're winning, but there's no consistency. So how, how do you engage people to be uh, creating stretch goals, stretch targets in, in a productivity-based yeah, yeah. conversation? But strictly speaking, you must be looking for consistency because that's where the gold is. The gold's not doing it once. The gold is doing it many times in a row. Mm. Bill, hello, Bill. Sorry, thanks for waiting on. Oh, that's all right, mate. No, I work for a large trucking company. We do all um, interstate. We've usually got in out of each depot at least 30 trucks a night um, right across Australia. Yeah. Um, we've got over 300 prime movers, and basically we all freight from one state to the other. And the bottom line is these um, satellite units, they save our lives because simple reason being, if we happen to doze, we drift too much, head office in Melbourne, like a lot of the companies are based in Melbourne, um, they, it comes up on the screen and basically if we drift off the road to a certain extent, it tells them that we possibly have had an accident and, um, yeah, that they can't contact us through the satellite phones, they send out the troops. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, a yeah. lot of guys knock them. They're not there for just, you know, surveillance. They're there for our safety. Yeah. No, no, I can see in the tracking business, you know, and, you know, with the, with the rise in the size of rigs, Bill, I can see that actually this, this is probably a good thing. And to some degree, it offers protection too, doesn't, doesn't it? I mean, the boss can hardly say, you know, look, you, you didn't, you were, you were slacking, you took too long to get there when they know exactly every second of the trip. Oh, they know our kilometre speeds up and down hills. And if we overspeed, they're quick to ring us up and say, oh, (laughs) back off a bit, you know. (laughs) But um, but it works both ways because we turn around and it it covers our rear end. Uh, We fill our time sheet. Um, But in the same sense, too, they don't really need them. It's just, I think, tax-wise, they've got to have them um, to the standards. But they, they can monitor, they can bring back a trip that was done in May last year and tell you how long it took and yep. how much fuel you used and the whole shooting, mate. So, yeah, it's got, a, it's got its nuisance points, but 90% of companies um, like Toll and, you know, Linfox and all that, they do it for their driver's safety as well. Yeah. So. No, no, I buy that. All right, on your belt. Uh, thanks, mate. All right. Okay, yeah, thanks, mate. Good, glad to have the benefit of your experience on this too. 17 uh, to the top of the hour here um, on Nightlife. We're talking workplace surveillance and uh, trust at work. Matthew Dickerson's with us and so is Stefan Kazakis. Love your calls. Third, 1300 800 222. Text 04679 Across Australia with Philip Clark. On Nightlife. Uh, where are we? Alan's on the line. G'day, Al. G'day, how are you going? Very well, thanks. Yeah, good. Yeah, just for the surveillance thing, I think with the surveillance cameras we've got around the, the uh, environment now, if you're doing something wrong, then you've got something to worry about. Otherwise, just crack on with your job. Um, regards to morning tea and lunch, if you give the blokes a 20-minute morning tea, 40 minutes lunch, they'll appreciate that, and they'll, they'll actually do more work in their time rather than look at their mobile phones. And if you treat them like an adult, yeah. they will want to work for you rather than you watching the clock and watching your money and productivity. 
Yeah. No, no, I I think that's – I mean, I think that's – there's sense in that, isn't there, too, Matthew? Yeah, absolutely right. I think that's hit the nail on the head. It's kind of the message Stefan and I have been saying all night. It's, yeah. it's about that trust. You don't want you don't want your staff watching the clock and you don't want your employer you, – you, you can create that environment if you watch the clock every time they go out for smoko or for lunch and then suddenly they work three minutes past their knockoff time and they're claiming overtime for that because you're watching the clock all day. Yeah. So you need to create that environment that's an outcome-based productive environment rather than watching the clock all day. Mm. Tony from Victoria. Evening, Tony. Uh, Tony works in the security business. He says, I'm monitored from the moment I get to work until the time I leave. Cameras everywhere, GPS in the car. They ring me every two hours. That's the security industry for you, but it works both ways. You're able to prove you were somewhere yep. if a client disputes it, etc. Also, it's a safety issue. If you can't be reached by phone, you can be found relatively easily. Plus, if you're doing the right thing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really bother me one bit. I see it as a plus for both sides. As long as it's not used for nefarious purposes, it's all good. I suppose we haven't really discussed that so much, but I mean, Matthew but, and Stefan, but some bosses probably aren't as benign as, <laughs> as, as we would wish. What are you saying there, Philip? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And, and because you are being monitored, yeah. then you could get a boss that maybe hasn't got the right intentions that wants to have a look at more than they should. And, and that's where you've got to have that trust factor in there. Yeah. But I think that the common message we've heard from a few callers tonight has been that if you're doing everything right, what have you got to worry about? And whatever you've got a good, trustworthy boss, I think that's hit the nail on the head. If you're doing something wrong, then you probably should have something to be worried about. Mm. George, hello. Uh, hello, George. Hi. Uh, how are you all? Yeah. Well, very um, well, thanks. Yeah, uh, I work for others. Um, public service and private accounting and um, I found there was too many meetings and there was uh, too many deadlines and just a ridiculous attitude towards the clock uh, and it was frightening. Um, well, when I had a chance to set up my own business, I made a few minor adjustments. They were, amongst other things, um, I kept a petty cash of 500 bucks. I let them know that if they needed the money, they could uh, take it out, but they put it in next pay. Mm-hmm. I said to them, um, don't get light-fingered. I said, if you need more money, come and see me. We can do a better deal. And that happened quite a few times, and I never had any trouble with honesty with them. That was the way it was. As far as the work is concerned, um, if things got a bit quiet in the office in the afternoon, I'd send them to the pictures, or I'd just tell them to go home, and they'll see you a bit earlier tomorrow. And I... As a result of all that, I never had an issue with any of them. Uh, I've got four of them that have been with me for 20-odd years. Yeah. Uh, they're not going anywhere, and I was able to retire three years earlier. So it paid off, you know what I mean? Is that right? What some, some afternoons you'd say, like, well, you can all go to the pictures. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, well, those girls that didn't want to go to the pictures, of course, they went home and did yeah. whatever they did, you know, well, I didn't care. But the reality <laughs> was, I used to, my philosophy was this that you keep sharp sharp knives in the drawer. You get people to do silly things or things that they want to do, they're going to get dull. But when they come back the next day, they were sharp again. Yeah. And believe you me, it kept it that way for many a long year, and I never I never looked back. Yeah, good stuff. Fantastic. Thanks, mm. jo- Thanks George. Yeah, good stuff. Marianne, hello. Hi, Marianne. Um, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm getting used to this. Um, and thank you so much for bringing up these subjects because they are really concerning. My concern is with um, um, the suggestion now, I don't know whether it's been brought in yet, that it can actually happen. But it's to do with aged care residential 
homes and, and people that are in um, places where they're being monitored um, because they are unable to live by themselves anymore on their own or with family. Yeah. And there's been incidents where, um, sadly, people have lost their lives or been attacked in some way or money's been stolen or goods stolen out of their rooms or whatever. And a suggestion has been put forward that um, surveillance cameras be put into the rooms to watch that people can't put pillows over people's heads and things like that. Mm -hmm. And my, my point with that is that then takes away all the privacy of that person in that room or those people in that room, those rooms, purely because there's not enough staff to monitor um, what's going on in those rooms. Um, you know, why do we need cameras watching people who might be, I don't know, doing personal things that people do mm. in the privacy of their own room? Um, and I'm, my fear is that it may become normalised, like cameras everywhere yeah. have, have become normalised now that we're, we're now... So used to everywhere we go, and and it's all in the name of well, there's been a crime, so now we can track so and so and so and so from here to there. But for the for the purposes of the crime and the things like that, it seems to me that the people that are doing the right thing that we're being put in the cages now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, this is an interesting debate. It was obviously started a few months ago when 7.30, ABC 7.30 aired some footage that was from a nursing home in South Australia. So it is a, a really interesting debate because mm. those issues about the privacy of someone's room versus people that might be working in those aged care facilities. Because it's both a workplace and a, and a private residence. It's exactly it? right. And, and obviously we're talking about a, a very small minority here of employees that might be um, you know, inclined to do something wrong in those rooms. But it is an interesting debate and it's certainly raging at the moment in South Australia and, and across the nation, really. Mm. I don't know if there's an easy answer to it and there's some good points that have been raised there. Mm. Yeah. yeah, all right. It's, uh, it's nine... My only point, if, if I could just say one thing, Please, everybody, just stop and take step back and have a look at how things were done prior to the digital revolution. You know, it, we didn't always have to have cameras and monitoring and metadata and everything to function. Maybe this is not the best way to be going. This is not. Maybe this is not the best way for progress. Okay, to be locking people in their rooms or putting people in rooms and putting cameras on them because. Of, of, as the gentleman said, a very small percentage um, of, of people are doing the, the crime, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. And I, I mean, I, I take Marianne's point out. I think it's. Yeah. I think her point's accurate, isn't it, Stefan? That, that, you know, increasingly cameras are the norm. Yes, they are. And um, again, in that perfectly explained example, it's the 80 20 rule, right? So it's the 20% that are doing the wrong and the 80% of us um, needing to pay the price and great points being raised there. Mm. Yes, my texter says, I work in, a, in the poultry business. doesn't matter how hard you do the job. You're being yelled at to go faster. It's gotten to a point where workers are passed out at their workstation. With 130 cameras watching the workers, management are using intimidation to get the workers to work harder. Yes, well, obviously, obviously, um, um, you know, surveillance used 
to, to, to the wrong effect. Uh, Sam says, Phil, I once asked to record a meeting and was told no. <laughs> no uncertain terms. I'd be worried about what was going to be said in that so meeting. So was I. I think, Sam, I, I don't know. What, what's your advice here? I mean, if, 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 if the boss says no, you can't record it. We oh, I think I'd be inclined to say, well, look, that's we don't have much of a relationship if that's the case. And we don't have much of a meeting to go to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because I'd be very concerned what was going to be said and why the boss wouldn't want his words recorded. Yeah. 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 Well, it's quite interesting on that point how many uh, incidences in recent time we're seeing with youth and uh, and and law enforcement uh, officers being on the on the opposite side of being videotaped. So yeah, police policemen are trying to do their job, and young young people are filming the interaction. Hmm. Yeah, so although interesting th- times, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although filming of law, of law enforcement maybe maybe again like a bit like the truck driving example of benef- benefit to both sides of the equation. Peter, hello. Oh, hi. Hi. Hey, yeah, I'd like to talk, to talk about the um, workplace surveillance act, and particularly in New South Wales in relation to. Uh, the use of mobile phones. Mobile phones are part of um, people's workplace, and, you, and a lot of the time they're supplied by the employer. Mm. Um, in, within New South Wales, uh, clearly, if you're using your work phone for work, and you've also got it for personal calls outside of work, mm. uh, for the employer to go through any of your phone record for any purposes whatsoever legally, they've got to have a policy in place, or in addition to that, you've got to be notified within 14 days in writing that they're going to actually start to go through your... Oh, is this the law, is it, Peter? Yeah, only in New South Wales. Oh, okay. Are you a lawyer lawyer yourself, Pete? No, I'm not a lawyer. I've had a lot to do with it, and frankly, it's happened in my workplace where it's happened to me, and I've I've spent a lot of money on lawyers to find this out. Hmm. And basically, they've got no right to do it because you could appreciate if you've got a work phone that you use for work, and then in addition that you use personal calls, you could be seeing uh, a doctor, you could be seeing, and that that doctor could be any sort of doctor, and it's a very private thing. Sure. Uh, you could be you could be having an affair, you could be doing any sorts of things. Now, what some companies are doing, they're going and ringing up the the, the numbers that come up, and and finding out what people are doing. Now, they've got no legal right to do it. Uh, if there's nothing in in policy, because what it boils down to is that everybody has a right to uh, mitigate what they could be ringing on the work phone. Now, if that's not the case and you're not told about it, yeah. uh, it it's surveillance. If you're told about it, you've got the ability to adjust.